In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Sometimes in dealing with others, especially when we label people as ungodly or as troublemakers, we become uncomfortable in dealing with them. But as servants, we are required to deal with everybody, especially with the lost sheep. And many times, actually, we feel uncomfortable in dealing with the lost sheep. So what does the scripture teaches us when I'm comfortable in dealing with, some, with someone? And sometimes I joke and I say, some churches can serve only saints, whom they label as godly people. But if you are not among those who are called the saints, no, you feel rejected in this church. You don't feel welcome. Uh, and everybody just wants to avoid you because you don't fit in this category. So, yes, there are people who are not godly, or not obedient, or extreme difficult cases. Uh, and many of us, we don't feel comfortable with them, and struggle in dealing with them. And some question, should I be firm with them, or should be I uh, kind, or how can to keep the balance between being kind and being firm? Should I isolate them to protect the rest of the youth? For example, if I have some youth whom I am labeling them as ungodly, should I isolate them and point them out and say to the other youth, avoid these people in order to protect the other youth, or I should allow them to interact with other youth? Should I discipline them and how I discipline them? So, there are many uh, questions here. But let me first define whom, who are these people whom I call them ungodly or unrighteous. Number one, people whom I dislike for one reason or another. For example, someone who always challenges me. Someone who always asks me questions. Or when I make a rule in the church, or a rule in Sunday school, or a rule in my class, he objects, and he has different opinions. And I say, why you are doing this? No, I don't like this. Can we change this rule? So, sometimes people don't like to deal with such group. Or another group, people who are not compliant to my personal views. You know, in, in administration or in service, uh, each one has certain personal view as a Sunday school uh, servant. You want actually to run your class in a certain way. Or if our coordinator of the service, you want to run the service in a certain way. But maybe there is a servant in your uh, in Sunday school or a student in your class who is not compliant and he doesn't like the way you are managing the service or you are managing the class. 
and he has a different opinion. He's not compliant. Sometimes we feel these are troublemakers. Or people with a strong opinion or strong personalities. Uh, people who are like controllers. Uh, because dealing with controllers, controllers, they don't accept any, they want to control everything. And actually, if you are serving youth, and one of the youth is controller, actually, he, he wants to control even you. And he wants to control the class and to direct it in a certain way. Or people who are struggling with sins. For example, if you have one in my class, drug addict or alcoholic or living in sexual immorality, weak sinners. Sometimes I don't like them. I, I feel they are problematic to me and problematic to the class. I just I want to avoid them. Or whom I perceive as trouble or division makers or offenders or rebellious sinner. You know, in my mind, we actually have a label for everyone. Oh, this person is a troublemaker. This person caused division. This person is impolite. This person has anger problems. This person is violent. And usually, no one likes to deal with such a group. Or if you feel that his loyalty is not to you, maybe his loyalty is another Sunday school servant. Uh, for example, he attend your class, but when he wants advice, he go to another Sunday school servant. So the question of loyalty can uh, trouble us. Usually we have different reaction in dealing with these groups. The first reaction, actually, I like to isolate and avoid them. And I will justify it, and then I am protecting other youth or other student in class from them. So I ignore them, and I isolate them completely, and also I stop I start warning other youth from interacting. Be careful, don't deal with this person. He's a bad influence. And the Bible says, bad company corrupts good morals. And sometimes I, as a man, in addition to this, I stop serving them. I don't call them. I don't visit them. Because subconsciously, it's better for them not to come to the class. It's better don't show up in the church. Because when they show up, I expect some problems. Uh, of course, no, no one can say it out loud. I prefer that this person doesn't come. But in our hearts, I have this feeling. It's better that this person doesn't come. If he comes, he will cause a problem. So actually, I want to isolate and to avoid him, completely push him away from the church. Another reaction to discriminate against them, to treat them differently. For example, I'm smiling with everybody when I see this person, and I just straight face. Uh, I, I don't spy, smile. I don't show expression of love or welcome to him. Uh, I don't 
assign him certain tasks. Just discriminate him. And many times just discrimination can appear in the way I greet them, in the way I look at them. This actually, can I, I can look at this person in a discriminating way. Or harshness. Usually, I am harsh with them. Give them harsh comment. Give them harsh discipline. Uh, I criticize them publicly. I criticize them in front of everybody. And I say, St. Paul said to Timothy, those who sin publicly, rebuke them publicly. And, and, and the problem here, I justify my actions from the scripture. I use some verses from the scripture to justify my action. And I say, John the Baptist, he, he used to say to the people, brood of vipers, what's wrong in this? So, another reaction is to gossip about them. You know, I speak to other youth about them. I speak to other Sunday school servants about them. It's gossiping. It's not asking advice how to deal with them. I speak uh, with Abuna, I speak with the families, and I warn the families, lest their children mingle with these youth. So I, I, I speak with them, and I ruin their reputation. Different, it's big different. I speak with Abuna, or I speak with uh, a senior Sunday school servant, to get his experience, to get his advice, how to deal with them, or to gossip. Gossip, just speak negatively about them. Or another reaction is to preach about them. So when I give a lesson, I usually emphasize on their weaknesses. And I want to make sure that there is a message delivered to them, not only to them, but all the class that I'm speaking about this person. You may tell me, but the Lord Jesus Christ made many parables about the scribe and Pharisees. And we, we read in the scripture many times, they know that he spoke about them. Yes, there is difference between speaking about a group of people or speaking about a person. Never the Lord Jesus Christ spoke about a person, make a sermon about a person. But he spoke about category. For example, if I'm speaking about, in general, other denomination, and I say, that is their teaching. Their teaching is wrong. It's different than I speak about a person from another denomination and make everybody knows that I'm speaking about this person in particular. Also, the Lord, when he spoke, he spoke to, in, uh, to treat them. He spoke in a therapeutic way, not in a judgmental way. Sometimes we speak in judgmental way. Let us examine the underlying reason within me. Why, why I'm not comfortable in dealing with these people? Why I point them out? What are the hidden reasons within me? Sometimes I feel insecure, especially with the strong opinionated people, people who like to, ch to challenge a system, to challenge a rule. 
through this feeling of insecurity, I feel threatened by them or threatened by their ability. Especially if I have one of the youth very influential, he can actually influence the majority of the youth. For example, if there is a convention, if this youth said, I'm going to go to the convention, everyone else will go. If he said, I'm not going, everyone else will not go. We have influential, influential youth. So sometimes I feel threatened by them because if he disagreed with, with me, this means the rest of the youth will disagree with me. It's a sense of insecurity within me that make me feel uncomfortable to deal with this person. Or my ego, uh, pride, for example, how he coordinated all these activities with his friends without telling me. I am the Sunday school servant. How he gathered all this use and made such activity without telling Even if such activity, he gathered the use to review some hymns or to do Bible study. But the, it's about me. Why he didn't tell me where I am in this picture. So ego here can be uh, when I feel my ego is threatened or people don't respect me or give me the honor that I believe I deserve, this actually make me uncomfortable with these people. Or if the servant himself is a controlling personality. So a controlling with a controlling student, they will clash with each other. So I don't feel, because a controlling personality, he doesn't accept no from anyone. He wants everybody to submit to him. He wants everybody to say yes to him. So if there is a controlling personality in my class, or if I am coordinator and there is a, a, co a controller among the servants, I will clash with the controller. Or a spiritualization. What do you mean spiritualization? Actually, taking a spiritual attitude while I'm not a spiritually mature person. That's what I call, uh, call it uh, spiritualization. Meaning, I will say, I will forgive this person because the Bible says this, and I will show him love. But because I'm not spiritually mature, so from outside, I like to act like showing him love and I, I forgive him or I accept his challenges. But at the same time, from within, uh, in reality, I did not forgive him. In reality, I, I, I don't love him. So this struggle actually makes me feel uncomfortable in dealing with him because I want to live up to a certain standard, but from within, I am down there. So it's a struggle, a struggle, as if you are walking in a garment that is too wide or too big for you. So because you're uncomfortable, uh, you, your behavior doesn't match your spirituality. Uh, another underlying reason that 
I am task-oriented or I am rules-oriented, not I am person-oriented. If I am people-oriented, then everything will be uh, revolving around their own salvation. The church is a hospital. As St. John Chrysostom said, church is a hospital for the sinners, nor a hotel for the saints. So if it is a hospital for the sinners, I should not be surprised if there is a sinner here in the church, because it's a hospital for the sinners. Yes, some sinners has to be in uh, ICU, uh, sorry, other, uh, some patients in the hospital ha have to be in the ICU. Some patients maybe need isolation for some times, like people with COVID. Yes, but all of them are inside the hospital. In the same way, the church is a hospital. Yes, I can isolate somebody for some time, or I can give like intensive uh, attention to somebody, but all these decisions should be done in a therapeutic way. Done with, I have a clear goal in my mind, their salvation, their eternal life. But people who care more about the rules and care about the system, uh, they are not people-oriented, but they are task-oriented. They want just to accomplish the task. They want just to keep the rules. They want to keep the system. So these people, they compromise the person in order to keep the system, in order to keep the rule. The scribe and Pharisees were like this. They want to keep the rule. They want to keep the Sabbath. And they compromise the people. That's why the Lord told them, Sabbath is made for man, not man for Sabbath. So the rule and system are made for our healing. So I need to use the rules and the system to heal the people. But if the rules and system, I use it in a way to destroy the person, then I'm using the rules wrong. Again, I'm not against rules. I'm not against system. God is God of order. God is God of order. God, when you see the creation, it is actually done in a very systematic, organized way. See the time of the sunrise, time of sunset every day, the way the whole world functions. Very organized. So, does it mean we are spiritual? Then everything will be chaos. But, all this order and organization and systems done for our sake. But if I'm going to abuse the system and destroy the people, then there's something wrong here. Something wrong here. Even, even in discipline, the discipline intended like you give medicine to heal the person. Discipline is not intended to destroy the person but to heal the person. Another reason, underlying reason, men's commandment versus God's command. For example, I make rules and I, I want people actually 
to, uh, to follow my rules. And when actually I know whether I am valuing men's commandments more than God's commandment, if I compromise God's commandment to keep my command. For example, God asked us to be kind with each other. So, if you as a Sunday school servant, you made a certain rule about your class. It's your rule. It's not written in the cans of the apostle. That's your rule. And then one of your class actually violated this rule. And you became very harsh. And you wounded him. Here actually, you compromised God's commandment that we should be kind and compassionate toward one another. You are breaking this commandment in order to keep your commandment. This is wrong. This is wrong. Because we ought to obey God more than men. So examine yourself. Are you destroying God's commandment in order to keep your own commandment? you will be uncomfortable dealing with many people if that is the way. But does this mean I am telling you don't make your own rules? No, you have to make your own rules. But if somebody has violated the rule, actually as St. Paul said, for three years I warned you with tears. In Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 he said, if anyone is overtaken in trespasses, those who are spiritual rebuke such person in a spirit of gentleness watching yourself lest you also fall so yes you can rebuke you can confront but in a spirit of gentleness a spirit of meekness a spirit of humbleness another underlying reason is personal issues most of us and the school servants are parents and maybe we have some challenges with our own children. So, for example, if my son is behaving in a certain way and I cannot correct him, when I come to the church, any person behaving like my son, I find myself automatically, I'm angry with him. Because all my anger that's directed toward my son, now is directed toward all these youth who are behaving like my son. So be careful, lest you, you come to the church and you come to the service carrying your own baggage and carrying your own personal issues and projecting your personal issues on your student or your class. Or, for example, if you have difficulty or some challenges with your spouse, uh, so any, if, you have, uh, if you are serving with another Sunday school servant, reminding you with your spouse, you will find yourself also in conflict with the other Sunday school servant because of this. Because you are coming here carrying your own personal issues. You cannot separate between your personal issues and 
the church. Or if you are not married, but you have issues with your siblings or with your parents, and for example, if the Sunday school coordinator remind you with your parent, then just you will have issue with him because you have issue with your father at the house. So be careful. Don't bring your personal issues. Personal issues need healing and need to be addressed, but don't mingle everything together. And uh, another reason what we call a judgmental attitude, we label people bad or good in my mind. That's how I, I look to the people. This person is bad, this person is good. This labeling people bad and good and categorizing them bad and good will make me uncomfortable automatically to deal with those whom I, I categorize it as bad. But if I look at everyone as good, even the ungodly, I look at them, they are struggling with some weaknesses in their life. As I struggle with some weaknesses in my life, it will be different. But once I label people bad and good, I will find difficulty in struggling with them. Uh, justifications. Sometimes I justify to myself my wrong attitude or my wrong stand while dealing with some personalities. How to justify it? I say the Lord Jesus Christ said to the scribe and Pharisees eight times in uh, the Gospel of Matthew, woe to scribe and Pharisees, hypocrites. And I forget that this was the last warning and this was said on Tuesday before he went to the cross on Friday. And at the end of his ministry. But during his ministry, didn't you read that he was invited at a Pharisee house and he accepted the invitation and he sat with them and he took dinner with them several times? So the Lord did not discriminate against them or did not avoid dealing with them. But before the cross, he wanted actually to give them the final warning. Also, the Lord is the judge of heaven and dead, of, of sorry, living and dead. But you cannot compare yourself with the Lord. You cannot say the Lord said, woe to you, then I can say it. He is a judge, but who are me? I'm not the judge of the world. So how can I judge my, my brother? And how can I say, as the Lord said, woe to you, I have the right to say it. Also, some people look at Elijah and the prophets of Baal and how he rebuked them and killed them. Yes, but because these prophets influence the people to worship Baal, you know, in place of God. And, and Elijah as a prophet, he had a clear message from God God told him, go and do this. So, if God actually clearly sent me with a message, definitely 
I, I will do it. God is a judge, but I cannot just do it by myself without a clear message from, from the Lord. So you cannot compare yourself with Elijah who actually uh, has power to open heaven and earth and to say there is no rain until I say. He had this authority from the Lord. And as I, I told you about John the Baptist, when he called the people vipers, brood of servants, you know, again, he has a message, as we were speaking this morning, to turn the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. And uh, by his ministry, he was able actually to restore many to the knowledge of God. So again, if there is a message from God to you, do it. But other than this, the default, you need actually to warn the people in the spirit of gentleness. That's a commandment written to all of us in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Another verse that's used, put away from yourselves the evil person. This is for the church. When the church decides to put away an evil person, after the church gives this person opportunity to defend himself, and after the church judge him through a council, not through one person, through a council and has opportunity, like when the, what the church did with Arius or with Nestorius or with Sabellius, all these heretics. The church did not judge them, you know, by one person. There was a council and they were given complete, full opportunity to defend themselves. But you cannot decide this is an evil person, I will put him away. It should be done through a council from the church and after giving the person enough opportunity to defend himself. And also there is a homily of John Chrysostom we read in the Holy Week. He says how God actually planted in the paradise, in the Garden of Eden, good trees only. He did not plant good trees and bad trees. Uh, and John the Baptist said, if we let the Church of God uh, full of good and bad, uh, that's why the Church will not prosper. But my two comments here, number one, who will put away the bad tree? It is the Church, not we as individuals. It is the responsibility of the Church through a council and through, uh, after giving a person full opportunity to defend himself. My second point, but what is the definition of a bad tree? A bad tree is a person who refused to repent, who actually work against God, a person who does not listen to the counsel of the church. That's a bad tree. But a person is struggling with sin, all of us will struggle. Who among us is not struggling with sin until today? So, not because a person is struggling with sin, I label him as a bad tree. And another justification, shouldn't we discipline the people? Yes, 
but in the spirit of gentleness and in the spirit of uh, love. Uh, therapeutic, not to destroy others. And as I mentioned some justification, I like to remind you some facts about dealing with the lost sheep. In the first commission, the Lord asked the apostles to look for whom. He told them in Matthew 10, verse 6, Go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He didn't tell them avoid them or push them away. He told them go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Uh, and he gives them the parable of the good shepherd who left the ninety-nine in order to search for one shepherd. And St. John Chrysostom, who said, God planted the garden from good trees, only not good and bad trees. He himself, who said the church is a hospital, is he actually contradicting himself? No, he's right. The church is a hospital. In, in, in the metaphor of hospital, who will be a bad patient? A bad patient who stays in the hospital, refusing actually to take medicine, refusing to take treatment, and actually is contagious to the other uh, patients in the hospital. But if he accepted to get treated, he's not a bad patient. So again, whom actually the church, or John Chrysostom, or the St. Paul said, put away the evil person, a person who is refusing to be treated, and actually contagious to the others and has bad influence uh, leading others to rebel against God. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 12 and 13, the Lord said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Then, if the church is hospital, whom we should actually expect, expect to be in the church? Those who are sick. That's why he said, but go and learn what this means. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I want you to be merciful on the weak. I want you to be compassionate on the weak, to strengthen them to repent and return back to me. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Then actually, if you are working only with the righteous, do you remember in the, be be in the beginning of this lecture, I told you some churches serve only the saints, serve only the righteous, but if you are not under this category, you, you will not be served in this church. These churches are not serving with Christ. Because Christ said, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So, if your ministry focusing on the sinners, on the weak, to call them to repentance, yes, you are working with Christ. But if you push away those whom you label as sinners or weak, and you work only with the righteous, you are not working with Christ.
And what, what was the title of our Lord Jesus Christ? His title was Lover of Sinners and Tax Collector. Lovers of Sinners and Tax You know, when Matthew invited him, he accepted the invitation. And Matthew invited other tax collectors. And the tax collectors were hated by the community at the time. Even people judged the Lord Jesus Christ to enter the house of Matthew and to enter the house of Zacchaeus. But the Lord told them, I did not come to call righteous. So if you consider yourself righteous, I did not come to call righteous. Also, I want to remember that harshness will be punished with harshness. Harshness will be punished harshly by the Lord. As we read in Luke chapter 12 from verse 45 to 48, But if that servant says in, my, in his heart, My master God is delaying his coming, and begins to beat the male and female servants, and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him, and at an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in two, and appoint his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant, who knew his masters well, now all of us, we know his, our masters well, to treat the sinners gently, the spirit of gentleness, and did not prepare himself to do according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. And I want actually to speak about appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. The Lord is speaking about a servant here, and this servant, all his sin, that he deals harshly with his students. He beats them and eat and drink and be drunk. So he, he treats them harshly. So the Lord said the punishment of a servant who deals harshly with his students equal the punishment of the non-believers. Non-believers like whom? Like Korazin, like Kafir Nahum. God said to Korazin and Kafir Nahum, Woe to you, Korazin, woe to you, Kafir Nahum, because if the miracles that I performed here were performed in Sur and Saida, they will actually be repentant in ash, uh, sackcloth and ashes. But I want you to remind you with another verse. The Lord said to them, in the day of judgment, Sodom and Gomorrah will be in more tolerable situation than Kafranahom and Korazin. And what is the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah? Homosexuality. What is the sin of uh, Kafir Nahum and Korazin? Non-believer. So, they will be in more tolerable situation. 
Meaning what? Meaning the punishment of the homosexuals are less than the punishment of the non-believers. The punishment for the homosexual who did not repent less than the punishment for the non-believers. And in this, in Luke chapter 12, the Lord said, the servant who deals harshly with his students, his punishment equals the non-believers. So we can deduct what? We can deduct that the punishment of the homosexuals who did not repent are less than the punishment of a servant who deals harshly with his students. I, I just I want to bring this to your attention to think about it. We consider homosexuality is a, a major and grave sin. And indeed it is. But the sin of dealing harshly with our students is actually much more uh, sinful than homosexuality in the eyes of God. And that's why their punishment will be severer. Also, in First Peter chapter 5, verse 2 and 3, Peter said, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseer. Overseer means watchful, looking at their needs, looking at their weaknesses, and provide treatment and therapy. Dealing with them not by compulsion, but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Don't lord it over them. You are not a lord. You are not a master. You are a servant. That's why the Lord washed the feet of the disciples to tell them, I am. I came to serve you. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. How much more us, we should be servants, not lords. Also in Acts chapter 20, verse 29 and 30, For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And what's scary, he said, and from among yourselves, so from among the believers, not from outside, from among you, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. So some of us as servants, we need just to draw the disciples to follow me, not to follow Christ. I want just these people to be my group, to draw away the disciples after myself. In Ezekiel 34, God actually rebuked the servants because they did not deal wisely with the weak and, and sinners. He told them, the weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost. 
So these are different groups. In my class, I find people who are weak, people who are sick, people who are broken, people who are driven away, and people who are lost. How the shepherd of Israel dealt with them, but with force and cruelty, you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. Sometimes people leave the church because we dealt with them harshly and they became food for the beasts. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord as I live, says the Lord God. Surely, because my flock became a prey and my flock became food for every beast of the field because there was no shepherd, nor did my shepherds search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds. Very difficult word. I am against the shepherds. I will require my flock at their hands. I will cause them to cease feeding the sheep, and the shepherds shall feed themselves no more. For I will deliver my flock from their mouth, that they may no longer be food for them. Then the question, how to deal with these people, whom I label ungodly, unrighteous, bad, etc. How to deal with them? Number one, examine your motives honestly. Are you looking for treatment or vengeance? Are you avenging yourself or you are looking for treatment to help them and to treat them? So what discipline you apply? Is it therapeutic or just expression of vengeance? Like the sinner in the church of Corinth, St. Paul excommunicated him and he instructed the people at Corinth not to deal with him. It was clear instruction. And he told them, if you eat or drink with such person, actually, you, you are breaking the commandment of God. But this isolation, he did it in a therapeutic way. How did we know? When this person felt isolated and repented, St. Paul sent them in uh, the second letter and told them, affirm your love toward him lest he is swallowed up by grief. So, now medicine worked, he repented, that's why khalas, affirm, go and affirm your love for him, lest he is swallowed up by grief. Also, before considering discipline, ask yourself, did you serve them well? Did you do your part in serving them? If you don't teach him how to have a relationship with Christ, if you don't teach him or them life of repentance, if you don't teach them the commandment of God, how you discipline them while you are lacking in your own responsibility? 
there is uh, a story Pop Shenouda wrote it in his book uh, Release of the Spirit this chapter has a title happened at that night and in this story he felt the servant felt that he's standing before God giving an account of his stewardship and the angel asked him about some students that he disciplined and his excuse they were bad but the angel asked him did you serve them well first did you show them the way of God before disciplining them so ask yourself first did I serve them well before you are looking for discipline uh, again be sensitive don't punish publicly or in front of the class or during the liturgy and you embarrass the person in front of others you know uh, very rare we need to use the public punishment very very rare but it will actually it, it will be more beneficial and more therapeutic when actually you discipline in a spirit of love and gentleness in private not publicly also consult with his father of confession consult with the buna consult with the yidna before uh, making a decision of punishing just get opinion of others if you want to discipline one of your in, in your class don't discipline while you are angry and go ask Abuna first or go ask the student's father of confession first you know uh, and maybe it will be better if it comes from Abuna or his father of confession before making a discipline and finally choose a discipline that works to save the spirit and St. Paul if you read the discipline in, in chapter first Corinthians chapter 5 he said that the, law, the, the soul may be saved in the day of the Lord that is the goal of the discipline that the soul of this person may be saved in the day of the Lord it's therapeutic uh, in some cases it's better to ask for like a council of the servants more than one servant to meet with him and discuss be careful not to have partiality for example if you like uh, somebody more than the rest or if his family close to your family or just his family is friend to your family so you let things go for this student but others you actually pick on him maybe because you are in clash with his family be careful no partiality be neutral uh, with each one and do your best to keep the balance between love and control firmness and kindness love should be full of discipline and discipline should be full of love don't separate between this and that so when you discipline somebody make sure that he received with the spirit of love and explain to him that you love him that's why you are giving him this medicine
برضو if there are two servants serving in the in the same class and one servant made a decision don't go and change it regarding one youth uh, talk together the two servant and if you don't agree go and talk to a one or some school coordinator you know but don't just override your uh, co-servant if he said something don't override it discuss it first if you couldn't reach an agreement talk to abuna about it and if you discipline somebody you need to follow up with him uh, don't just give the discipline and forget this person completely for example if you said to a student you are not going with us this trip that's a discipline you are banning him from joining a trip go and ask about him visit him in your in his house check on him just don't give the discipline and uh, leave the person so in conclusion we need to remember to be kind all the time in dealing with other and discipline should be done with the spirit of love and the goal of any discipline should be therapeutic to save the soul in the day of the Lord and if you're struggling if you have some personal issues ask the Lord to help you to overcome your personal issues but don't carry your personal issues over to the church and if you hurt somebody be courageous enough to go and apologize and ask for forgiveness nobody is above apology all of us when we do something wrong we should apologize and ask for uh, forgiveness and finally remember that we are called to be servants not to be lords not to be masters we are called to be servant not to be lords and not to be masters may the lord help us actually to live and serve in the spirit of true uh, servant as the lord washed the feet of the disciples who washed the feet of one another glory be to god forever and ever amen